Posada, slow roller right side. Beckett picks it up, tags Posada, and the Florida Marlins are world champions. No question about it, I am ready to get hurt again. Oh, how far we have fallen. We are all ready to get hurt again. Here we are. Welcome to episode number one of the Battered Marlins Fans Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Daniel Granada. Alongside me, we got Callie. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You know what? I'd never pronounced your last name before. Eurudia. Eurudia. And my man, Branton, over here. Like I said, episode number one, bringing some new Marlins flavor to the Battered Fans uh, Media Network. How are you guys doing? Let me start with you. How are you doing, Callie? I'm doing great, man. I'm really excited that we get to do this. Uh, you know, been looking for a platform to talk Marlins for a while, and uh, there's there's not a lot of channels for me to go through in that regard. So this is really exciting. I'm really pumped to talk some some fish baseball with you guys. What's going on, Branton? Nothing much, man. Glad to be coming in off of that uh, taking two from the Twins there. Because if we were coming in losing that series, this is going to be a depressing ass start to this podcast. <laughs> Well, let me tell you something. I remember I thought when, when we when we spoke and we said, let's get a Marlins podcast going. I mean, when you get on there, there aren't many out there. Like, And I mean, I, I listen to some other team podcasts from other baseball teams and they have a slew of content. The Marlins, I guess, understandably, the fan base is a little smaller. There isn't that many. So I said, no. let's, let's try this out. Let's see what we can get going here because I love to talk baseball and love to talk Marlins. And like you said, I was like... I wish we kind of would have started before the season started because going off that first series loss to the Mets, I was like, oh, no, this mm. is going to be a rough first episode. But we picked it up against the Twins. Yeah, we so, did. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm feeling a little better. I'm feeling a little better. So let's let's get it started. So week one is done. We've gotten to see this team. We went through the rotation once. We got Sandy and we got Lazorda twice now. But we got more or less of an assessment, right? One weekend, two series in. What are you guys thinking as far as the difference between last year's team and this year's team thus far? I guess I'll start with you, Brian. What are you thinking so far as far as the differences? Um, well, so it's hard to take any conclusions out of the Mets um, series for me because I think the bats were just they coming out slow. Um, but when you look at what the the – goal was for the offseason and it was to add you know people who can get on base who can hit for contact so that they can set up guys like jazz and and um you know i I think the team did a great job in that aspect you know i mean we'll talk about him coming up i mean arise is like oh he's gonna be he's gonna be one of my favorites i can already tell (laughs) he's as good as advertised yeah and you know i think in the twin series we saw just how effective that plan has been. And, you know, I think hitting for contact, especially in that huge Lone Depot park is going to be a a major plus for this team. And is what it's going to make this season more exciting than what we've had in previous years. What about you, Callie? Um, Well, in terms of the biggest differences from last year, to this year, um, I think our bullpen's a lot deeper. Um, I think the starting rotation has always kind of been there. Uh, you know, now we're seeing kind of the emergence of, of Edwin Cabrera, and we're going to see what what he can produce. And, and he had a bit of a shaky first start, but aside from that, like the, a lot of high promise there. Uh, we can see if Trevor Rogers can kind of bounce back to the the Trevor Tr- Rogers we saw from his rookie year. From his rookie year, absolutely, and. Um, so the starting rotation, I'm not worried about outside of Johnny Cueto. We got to see how long he's gonna be out for. He's, you know, I didn't love the signing just because he's he's had he's, to kind of. He's 47 years old. <laughs> yeah, and and he's a guy that used to make a lot of guys miss. And if you if you look at the last couple of years, his whiff rate has has slowly slowly dropped, which is you know, I know some some people aren't huge in the advanced analytics and the advanced stats, but but that's something really important to like look at. And he was getting hit hard against a, a very average Twins lineup. Yeah, they're undefeated, but I mean, not not a lot of super high contact guys outside of like you know Correa and, and Lanark and stuff like that. But um, and then the, our bullpen too, adding guys like AJ Puck, who's like a bona fide, who's going to be like a bona fide closer for us, who's oh, for sure can come in and and, and dominate big lanky guy, kind of that crim. Chris Sale, like three-quarter arm slot, but everything's going to move. Everything's going to come in high 90s. 
Um, he's going to be able to spot it. He kind of pitched himself into a save, which is, which is great. And then we have guys like Matt Barnes that will be like our, our setup closer guy, you know, uh, JT Chaguar. And then we're going to see uh, Nar- guys like Nardi and, Flor- and Floro and stuff like that that have already impressed. Um, and then the additions to the, you know, the additions to the lineup, you know, to have like a real spark plug, like a real true leadoff guy in Luis Arise, you know, AL batting title last year, AL all-star, you know, the fact that he was able to come in and kind of push Jazz to the outfield, which which actually has presented a whole different host of issues that we weren't anticipating. But um, we've really solidified our in- infield with guys like Arise, with um, with Segura, who he's been struggling with a bat, but he's very, very good with a glove. Uh, probably he, he saved us a couple runs uh, in the last game of the Twin Series. Um, yeah, man. I, he, I mean, bobbled, I, he bobbled a beautiful uh, play that he had in the outfield, though. Segura? No, 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 no. I'm thinking of um, who was it that that bobbled that ball in the outfield? It'll come to me. I'm sorry for cutting you up. Go ahead. It's okay. Um, but yeah, you know, we've solidified defensively. I think we're gonna be very, very good. I think we're gonna be much better than last year, especially in the infield. Um, you know, from last year, like Jazz isn't like an all star. He's like, he's not gonna be a Gold Glove guy in any position he plays, unfortunately. But he's a guy that we have out there because he, he's a bad and he's a, he's an athletic guy that we can kind of plug anywhere. Um, you know, where, where Miggy was a bit of a liability until we traded him, you know, you know, and then we have guys like birdie that we can kind of, that we were just kind of plugging in and in, in holes. Uh, Garrett Cooper's uh, cold glove year so far, first base, couple diving plays, you know, really, he's really a force. He's a brick wall there, which is great, which is what we needed also. So a lot of positives with the bat too. Yeah. And, and Fortes behind the dish. I know Stallings was like our guy last year, but Fortes behind the dish has been just lights out. I think he's, he's claimed the starting catcher spot, except for Stallings, because I know him and Sandy have that, uh, that repertoire connection last year. yeah and stallings caught and called every game that sandy pitched in a cy young year so that's going to be the battery when, when for sure Sandy that, pitches that, for sure. That, that's an off day now when you were talking about cueto and how he you know had issues with the undefeated at that time twins it, it kind of shows the discrepancy or, or the distance between the aces on this staff and then the back end because once sandy and lazardo came in we they mowed down the twins. They finished games in another two hours. That's how dominant they were. And Cueto, they took a bat to Cueto. So do you think there's we don't have the five that we need right now? Um, what I'm curious to see is right now, uh Max Meyer, who was a first round pick for us, was it three years ago now? Uh, came up end of last year, pitched very well. Kind of, it was kind of like a bullpen guy, like, you know, odd rotation, weekday star type of guy. Um, he's on the the 60-day injured list right now. I'm curious to see what happens to a rotation if, one, Cueto isn't healthy, and, two, if Cueto continues just get, to, get, to get lit up. Does Max Mayer get plugged back into that starting rotation? Um, we know Braxton Garrett's a guy that's capable of starting, starting games too. He started mostly in the minors. He's a guy in the bullpen right now. Um, it'd be interesting to see if he gets an opportunity to, to start a game now with, with Cueto presumably going to be out for at least a start or two. So I think, I think we have guys. I just don't think, I, I know that this, that this club can be a little hesitant to give the young guys a shot right away in terms of, you know, giving them the ball in the first inning. But who knows what Skip has up his, his sleeve too? We need to see his managerial style and how how often he turns to the to our farm. Yeah, and as a young manager, you would think he probably leans a little bit into the youth, especially because we're not considered to be you know contending this year. So it's kind of about seeing what we have to build on because you know while I think we can probably contend for that wild card spot, um, realistically, I think Skip and the organization are probably thinking. A couple of years down the road is when we're going to have all the pieces together, because when you look at like the roster and the rotation is the perfect example of this, like there's some pretty young guys in the organization that can take the ball and, and do some special things with it. And like Callie said, it's just about them getting the opportunity to do so. And, you know, hopefully we, we continue to bring in some young guys to kind of fill in some spots behind some of the aging um aging players we have particularly in the infield but um i think it's gonna be a fun team and i i think you know we're i don't think we know yet how the rotation is going to work out for the year 
um, you know, but I, we haven't I think seen we, it. Four out of the five spots I feel we feel comfortable with, right? Yeah. And obviously, Sandy. Everybody loves Sandy. Lazardo looks like he's going to ball. Rodgers, mm -hmm. we're hoping he can bring back what he had his rookie year. And then Cabrera looks solid. Yeah, and and the rotation on day one or series one and two is not going to be the the rotation no, of in course, of course. August September. You know, it, it guys get hurt, guys get traded, things happen, guys get in slumps, guys get called up, guys get called down, get injured. Um, get injured. You know, there's a whole plethora of things that are that are going to happen. Um, I think it's more important to see like what's down the what's what's trickling down into our bullpen into the farm system that can provide coverage in need. Um, I think you also have to look at the deadline and see like, okay, are we buyers or sellers? And you know, we might be, we might be sellers, but who knows, man? I mean, the, I mean, the Phillies are, <laughs> the Phillies haven't won a game yet. They are without two of the best hitters in baseball for the foreseeable future because Bryce is yeah. out. So at least the all-star break, Reese Hoskins yeah. is out for the year. They do not look good right now. Um, I know there, I read a whole article about JT Real Muto complaining about the time clock and the pitchers can't get their timing down and he doesn't feel like he can control the staff really? now. Yeah, so who knows how – and that's something that we haven't been able to think about, right, because this is all so new. It's how are some of these teams going to react to the pitch clock? Like we've seen teams like San Diego really struggle with it at the plate. We've seen teams like the Phillies really struggle with it on the mound. You know, we're – you know, it's it's going to be it's, it's going to take some time for teams to develop. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, like the Braves are, are going to be the probably the best team in, in the, the East this year. Yep. You know, the Mets are going to be good. The, I hate to say it, but the Mets will, you know, eventually just be the Mets and things are going to happen to the Mets because they're the, they're the fucking Mets. Um, but the Nationals are worse than we are. They're terrible. Yep. And then, yeah, and then the Phillies are without. <laughs> Phillies I mean, are. The, the Phillies have Trey. The Phillies still have Trey Turner. You know, they still have they still have guys in that lineup that can play. They still have Castellanos. Then they still have Nola on the bump. They still have Real Muto. You know, like they they have guys. It's just a matter of you're missing two of the most important ones. Which you know, you lose two bats like that. It's 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 tough to compete. You know, and especially with a team with expectations like that, who knows what can happen. So if we if we if July comes around and and we're we're in the thick of it, who knows what we can do, man? Maybe maybe ownership decides like, oh fuck it, we want to we want to spend a little bit, but um, you know. But again, we're the Marlins. You yeah. brought up the the rule changes and real moods, so complaining about them. So I guess that's a good chance to to kind of touch on that because I, I have forgotten that we haven't episode number one, obviously, right? We haven't talked about the rule changes. Obviously, I think unanimously outside of Real Muto, most fans. Are happy with the pitch clock yeah from an entertainment value and from a st and from like uh just so base like a watching viewing standpoint it, it, baseball so much more watchable now like of course our game uh our, was it our game again the, our last game of our series against the twins was an hour and 58 minutes long mm -hmm. in a game in, in sometimes these games take three and a half four hours long and and especially for a club like the marlins no one wants to stick around for four hours to well, watch that. I'll bet you that at the end of the year, the Marlins have the lowest average time per game for two reasons. One, because we don't hit as well, we don't score as well as other teams. So we're three and out a lot quicker than other teams. And because of our rotation, it's also going to be mowing batters down also. So I think the Marlins, for the most part, are going to be playing in that two-hour average games more often than other teams. Yeah, I, th I think we have the, the two lowest recorded times so far. If it's and not the lowest two, it's two out of the three. Because I think I heard another uh -huh. team went like two hours and a minute or two. Wait, but for I, sure, two out of three. I think the Friday game against the 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 Mets, we went like two hours. Two hours and eight minutes. Yeah, something like That's that. That's the one that we were at. Yeah. Yeah, but we we did we have the the honor of being the first game under two hours with a new rule change. Brian, what you think about the new rules? I, I love it. I mean, you know, there's nothing not, I mean, you can't not love it. And I think, you know, I mean, while it is a little bit difficult to watch games, you know, because everything's on different streaming services and stuff like that now, but um, I wouldn't be surprised to see at the end of the year, see viewership numbers go up uh, league wide, just because it's easier to watch a game. I mean, if you think about it, like it's pretty darn close to being like, a soccer game time frame as far as how long yeah. it's going to be start to finish. And, you know, I think that's, 
they're getting close to the magic number, that two hour mark, two and a half hour mark is probably as much time as you can capture somebody's attention for in sports nowadays. So I love it. And I, I think it's only going to do good things for the sport. Yeah. And, and like, especially with baseball being a game that's like on the, in, on weekdays every night, like, you know, when I get home, like I, I work full time, you know, I'm, I'm in school. I have a wife, I have a daughter. Like I want to sit down and watch baseball, but it's tough when I know I have to commit three and a half, four hours of this, you know, it's tough to sit down and watch a game every night, but now I'm like, Oh man, this game might be two, two and a half hours. I can swing that. And you know, what? I can go to, I can still go to bed at a reasonable hour. And I love, I'm, I'm all something that we're not mentioning either. It's like, instead of like those seven, 10 start times. Now we're seeing a lot of like 640, 640 start time, yeah, which is great it. also. And well, then like the 430 start times too. That, that 640 start where we went, Two hours and eight minutes. Six. I was home by nine forty-five. I went to the stadium. I was home. I live half an hour from the stadium. I was home by nine forty-five. That's that's unheard of to go to a stadium and be home by nine forty-five after a full game. But that that's beautiful. I, I I'm excited to go to more games because you can. It, it's so much quicker paced. Now, with that being said, I do know that there are some adjustments. One of them yeah. being, runners are running a lot more often. A little more exciting but to an extent almost even unfair because once they throw there twice they can't throw there anymore so they runners could. are going at the first motion they could go the, the okay so the rule is is that they could pick off a third time okay but, and if they get them out then the bat the, the runner's out but if but he doesn't get them out then he gets a, a, a second it's a, it's a balk it's a balk it's a balk yeah and they go to the next base which is fine and you couple that with the larger bases too it suddenly makes a guy add, like, like five inches, four and a half inches. Yeah, it suddenly makes a guy like Birdie, who was the National League stolen base champ last year, a lot more valuable. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. and yeah, you know, it, but the league is clearly taking an approach that like we want more offense for sure because pitching dominated for so long, and in a game where pitching dominates, and then the game's already taking three and a half, four hours long, you're going to lose viewership. You're going to. It just you can't. So picking up the offense and shortening up game times, I think that's great. I'm sure from like from a pitcher's perspective, they're like, "Fuck, what are we gonna do here?" But I mean, you're still seeing catchers throw guys out. You know, like stolen base numbers are they haven't really they've gone up a little bit in in this time frame from last season, but it's nothing astronomical. Astronomical, something to write, write home about. Well, and actually, look the accumulated right the first hundred attempts of stolen bases this season, eighty four were success, successful. So they're stealing at 84% success rate. That's pretty high. Yeah. I mean, catchers, are, I mean, a, a good catcher has like a 30% throwout rate anyway. Like, right. No, I, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not 100%, but yeah. it's creeped up. Like, it's definitely an advantage now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course. And that's what they want. They want guys in scoring position. They want guys driving around. They want those eight to six ball games instead of two to one pitchers' duels. You know, they, they want offense, which I encourage personally. Like, juice the baseballs. Let's get more home runs. Let's get more balls in the gap. Let's get more stolen bases. Because the issue with baseball, and me as like a, like, baseball is my first love, more than soccer, more than football. Like, mm-hmm. you know, for the average fan, it can be, it can be a little unbearable. Like it can be like, man, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm watching a pitching duel, but it's to, to see everything happening so much so quickly and cutting out what, and this is the most important thing, cutting out all that dead time of the pitcher taking five. Okay. I'm facing Aaron judge now. Like I need to get in the zone. I need to throw off his timing. I'm going to walk around the, the mound six times. The, the batter's going to step out. He's going to undo his batting gloves. The no more Garcia para doing this 16,000 times. Yep. And, you know, and then like a ball high and tight, I'm going to go take a lap around the, the, the plate is like, all right, we cut out all that bullshit, that stuff that we don't need to be doing. Okay, both pitcher and hitter have to be engaged with eight seconds left. You know, all right, man, we're, we're moving. You know, we're cutting out all that dead time. That's all for show. That's all these guys just being professional athletes. And, like, we're just getting to baseball. We're getting guys swinging bats. We're getting – we're seeing home runs. I mean, I think, like, in before, before this last game against the Twins, I think, like, seven of our first 11 runs came on home runs. Like, you know, like – that's well, good in a way like from a viewer that's awesome people want to see home runs and that's going to bring more people to the ballpark and it's going to have more people watching out i have a question for you brian i talking about the new rules and the pitch clock and all that rob manford wouldn't uh confirm that they were keeping the pitch clock for the postseason do you think that there's a chance 
that we don't see the pitch clock in the postseason. I think they were probably waiting to see what the reception was going to be during the regular season before committing to to the playoffs. Um, I think based off of the sample size we have now, I think that the, um, it'll probably stay around for the playoffs. I don't see how they could let playoff games go back to like a three hour, three and a half hour event. I mean, unless they're, you know, major league baseball is like, let's sell some more advertising then maybe. But I think for the good of the game, I think, Manfred was just waiting to see what the reception was going to be because a lot of the baseball purists, you know, before the season even started, they're like, Oh, I hate this. I don't want to see this or ruining the game, but I haven't seen them as vocal um, in defense of the old rules now as they were before the season started. So. And another thing, if, if there's a team that finds a lot of success, let's say for example, stealing bases, and that's a big part of their games or, or their success this season That'd be. I can't imagine that they would all of a sudden tw- switch the rules up too much in the postseason, where all of a sudden teams have to readjust to something that was maybe they were leaning on small ball, for example. They have to okay, we got to figure something else out. So okay, yeah, I'm with you on that. What do you think, Kelly? Um, I'm gonna push back on that one a little bit. Um, viewership for and, and we have to understand the pitch clock isn't to enhance the game. The pitch clock is purely for the viewer. It's to shorten 100%. the game. It's to shorten the yeah. game to make it more watchable so more people stay tuned in for longer. Baseball's never had an issue with viewership for playoffs. It's never had an issue with viewership for the World Series. Playoff baseball is historically one of the most watched sporting events of the year, always. It's like up there with March Madness. It's up there with the NBA playoffs. It's up there with the NFL playoffs. The watchability is through the roof. Okay. Um, and I think you I, – I think for if it's up to me – Divisional rounds, yeah, let's keep the pitch clock. But when we get to the, the ALCS, the chance, NLCS, AL, take it off. World Series, take it off. There, there's no one to compete with. Everyone's watching anyway. And, I mean, like the, the World Baseball Classic didn't have a pitch clock. And we were all zoned in. But do you think that when once a team kind of creates a way of playing, right? Because teams, if a team yeah, plays small balls, right. So do you think that it would be fair to make them readjust once you get to a certain point in the playoffs. Because I can see why that would be a disadvantage. Like, the Marlins, I feel like, I guess getting back to the Marlins, I feel like the Marlins haven't taken advantage of how much or how easier it is to steal bases now. They like, tried the, against Pablo. Uh, against Pablo, right. They tried and, a lot. And, 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 ja- and Jazz got thrown out and, and injured. Yeah. And um, But the first series against the Mets, they didn't even attempt a stolen base. Like, yeah. I, I'm not sure why... They haven't been taking advantages because there's teams that have just been running like crazy, and I'm like, what are the Marlins waiting for? Well, the in the games that Birdie started against the Twins, he he swiped a, I want to say he swiped two, um, and it's, I know Segura stole one too. We we started running a little more. Um, I don't know why in the first series we, we didn't. Um, I I can understand why. Like, okay, so from a coaching standpoint, like. You know, you you read the the catchers pop times and, and big leaguers they're all all catchers like one seven one eight guys. So a guy like Scherzer, for example, he's one one to the plate. He's very quick. So one one plus one seven, you're at a two eight. Okay, you need about three. You you need two nine to to three to steal a bag. That's cutting it too close. That's you know. Even if you cut off the four inches. Yeah, you know, I I'm sure that the, the the numbers change a little bit there, but you yeah. know. If the timing's not there, you don't you don't send them, you I know. You. And 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 maybe I don't I don't know how the rest of I, I don't have the timing down for the rest of the Mets staff. I know Pablo's a guy that's historically kind of slow to the plate, and I think that's why we we ran on him. And then plus us just kind of having the book on him, we know how he moves, yeah. you know, things like that. And um, you know that that definitely changes that, that familiarity helps with that too. But if the timing's but not the there, thing, you're just not going to send guys. But the thing with Pablo too that I, that I thought was interesting, and I think the reason we saw them try him so much is they were kind of, it kind of seemed like to me, it was almost like practicing because they were watching the pitch clock. And when it got down to like a second or two, like those guys were getting ready to fly and some of them were taking off and you could see like jazz jazz took that huge lead and then he started and then he stopped and then he went again. And if he would have just gone all the way through, he wouldn't have got hurt and he would have swiped the bag. And I think that happened to, I think Arise tried that, and I think Birdie too tried to do the same thing, but they kept getting that huge jump. And I just, 
it seems like they're testing out a strategy that they're not 100% comfortable with yet. And I think Pablo was the guy they wanted to try it against. Yeah, and, and I think with that, it's what, what you're going to see, the teams that are most successful at stealing bases this year are going to be the ones that know how to play with the clock the best. It's almost like a quarterback in football, like hard counts with like three seconds yeah, left on the clock. The yeah, like you're almost trying to – and also when you're on – especially when you're on first, like you're trying to get the pitcher to jump a little bit. You're trying to draw that ball in. You're almost – you're trying to draw that throw back. Um, you know, there and, – and also with the catcher too. Like you want to see – you want you want to see what happens and um, you, you want to test what they can do too. The Jazz one was weird. I think he just got – in his head and he and he fucked up there but you know we're gonna see guys that kind of try and uh and play with the pitch clock and then i think with a a rise it was meant to be a delayed steal and he just did it poorly um and you know but we but the delayed steal is something that we've seen the marlins do well in the past so let's see if that's something we we bring back now that we bring up jazz the center field experiment we all understood that it was going to be an adjustment period, right? We, we knew that there was going to be an adjustment period there. But Wendell is down. How long? Do you guys, anybody know how long he's down for? He's on the he's on 15 day. 15, 15 okay. day IL right now. Would you guys put Jazz back at shortstop? Yes. At least for the time being. Yes. And just move De La Cruz over to center? Yes. I wouldn't. Okay. Brent, let's go with you first. Why would you not do it? I wouldn't do it because um, I wouldn't do it because at this point, like he's really had two series and, you know, the spring was rough too. But in my mind, if you're going to have your, your superstar and the guy you're building your team around, Mm -hmm. you don't want to move him without, you know, a larger track record. You know, I think moving him now could damage his confidence. And I, in the position, I don't think you'd ever get, get him back in center field. And so if you really like went into this year committing to him in center field, you knew that this was all already going to be an issue. And let's be honest, our outfield is not great defensively anyway. So yeah, they're not great. There's no gold glovers <laughs> out there. Um, I moved jazz to short immediately without breathing, without breathing a second breath, without blinking. Um, not because he's been bad at center field. Um, but because I don't think you you, I don't I don't think you fill one hole by creating another. Um, I think you you put your team in the I, put, I think you put your with Wendell out you put your second best shortstop I think the best second best shortstop on this team is Jazz Chisholm, plain mm-hmm. simple. Um, I don't think it's going to hurt his confidence and I think it's we have two series on the road that are against division opponents that we want to win. Um, especially we, you know, we, uh, you know, we got the Mets for, we get the Mots for three, the Phils for three, and then we come home, you know, I, I, I throw, I throw jazz in there. De La Cruz is more than capable of playing center field. Sanchez, you know, you keep Sanchez in left. Keep, it was keep, seamless yesterday once jazz went out. Yeah. Um, whoever you put it, and, and it, I hate to say it, whoever you put in center is going to be better than jazz. Chism at his center field. Plain and simple. Any of our, any of our, I don't know if it would be better, but it's definitely not going to be worse. You're not going to be losing anything. So Jazz's first step in the outfield is might be the worst I've seen of professional outfielders in my lifetime. You got to take a step back. Yeah, your first step is always back. He he plays. The thing is, is he plays outfield like a shortstop. Yeah, he's you know instead of takes a step forward. Yeah, instead, at which in the infield you're taught to attack the baseball. You're you play up the baseball and you, you you know you get your momentum towards your target and you throw the guy out. You can't do that in the outfield. Your first step, especially when the ball's hit in the air, you need to take a step back, analyze, and then react. And you need to do that very quickly. Every time the ball's hit, Jazz's first steps are forward. Jazz doesn't know how to he, – he doesn't – He and also playing center field, line drives hit right at you, surprisingly enough, are some of the hardest balls to play because you can't pick up spin. You can't pick up angle. You're just kind of reading – you, you're gaining more information as it's coming to you. When the ball's hit up in the air, you have plenty of time to react. You can you have you have corner outfielders communicating with you, fence, track, whatever. You know, you, you know balls in between. You have the shortstop, second baseman. You have guys communicating. When the ball's hit right at you at, at, in center field, the ball's, you know the ball's not cutting left or right. right. So you're, you're just reading a baseball that's coming to you, and you don't know if it's going to go past you, ahead of you things like that. And he really struggles with that first step. He really struggles with the first read. He doesn't – he doesn't read the progression of balls hit to hit at him very well. Um, he so needs if you a lot had more work. to 
So if he, right, he does need work, and, and I think that's obvious. And if they don't bring him into shortstop, right? And even if they brought him in, they'd probably bring him back out center field once Wendell's ready. Do you think or do you see any hope for him improving at center field? Yeah, and the, I think he improves because he's an athlete, you know. Well, he's, you know what? When he said, I'm going to win a gold glove out there, I didn't doubt him. I was like, you know what? I believe in him. Yeah, and you have... I might not have been talking about this year, let's be honest. <laughs> Maybe one year, but... You know, you have uh, you have a, 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 your manager who played played a, quite a bit of outfield. He was mainly, mainly like an infield utility guy, but you know, a guy that knows the game. You have you have a very good outfielder as a bench coach in John Mabry, um, a guy who was a very good outfielder himself for the Cardinals for a long time, um, and a huge shortstop with the Marlins too. Fun fact. Um, you know, it's going to take working with him. It's not something he was going to pick up over one spring. It wasn't, and, and what also hurt is that he was hurt. Yeah. You know, he didn't come into the spring till half till it was almost over. So that's that's those are a lot of reps he missed out on and I think, you know, you you keep playing him out there and you you see how he progresses, but he it's going to take daily work for him to learn how to read balls off the bat and stuff like that and he's just he's just not ready. I think you I mean, I think you put him out there because, you know, you want him to get better and the, there's nothing better than game reps and and quite frankly, we're not a team that's probably going to going to be lifting a trophy at the end of the year. Um but he, we, we, I want him to get better. But if you have an opportunity, I think given the opportunity, and we, you know we're three and four, we're second in the AL East. We can with the next two series, we can hopefully extend that gap. Right. If we if we can take if we can take one or two from the Mets, and we can then we can win take the Phillies two series. from the Phillies. Right, if we can take two from right. the Phillies and one from yeah. the Mets, we'll be okay. If we go three and three, we end up six and seven. I think we're good coming home against spot. the D-backs. Right, that is a great spot. Yeah. That, that's more or less what you want to be. You want to be at, at the end of the year, you want to be hovering around 500, whether you're below or above, right around September, and then you want to make that late push where you can try to make that wild card. The, Marlins, like the Phillies did last year. Yeah, the Marlins, you, you want to get as close to 500 you want, and you want to be fighting for that wild card spot. I think that's what the goal should be this year. And I think you take, you take one from the Mets, you take two from the Phillies, you come back and – Diamondbacks aren't very good. That's the team we can take two from. I agree. You know, and then beyond I mean, beyond that, pitching. I think we take we should be aiming for the sweep against the D backs. In my opinion, I mean, opinion. yeah, because we have we have Sandy Friday night. It against should the be D-backs. the top of the three, right? Yeah, yeah we have Sandy Friday top against the You have Lazardo Saturday, and then you get Cabrera on Sunday, and then we get back into the rotation against the Giants, which is horrifying because they absolutely stroke, but. You know, for April, we can. I think if you're looking at our schedule, because we have D backs and then Giants at home, and then we go to Cleveland, to Atlanta, that one's going to be rough, a four game one. And then we have the Cubs back home. That's I'm not, I'm not even sure how the Cubs are doing, actually. They're okay. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're the Cubs. They're, yeah. <laughs> they have a couple guys who can hit, a couple guys who can throw, and basically shit everywhere else. So, so three and four to start the season. Uh, I mean, we're really not going to look go. I mean, we've been touching on these series as we've gone over the last half hour. But any positives or negatives to take away from the Mets and the Twins series? I mean, I guess I'll start real quick. The Mets series, I honestly thought we should have split 2-2. But, you know, it is what it is. First series, I wasn't going to go crazy about it. I think that they bounced back great against the Twins. Uh, it was a little worrisome when we lost that first game. But coming back strong with Sandy and Lazardo. I feel like with those two guys, if Cabrera could pick it up also, this team can pull exactly what the Gallic and the Indians, the Guardians, Jesus, the Guardians did last year and, and just lean on their pitching all season long. We have better pit hitting, obviously. We're getting on base. But like our boy Spazzy said, we're the MJs of leaving men on base. But last year, we weren't even getting on base. This year, we're getting on base. So this year, I, I see a lot more positive signs. Any positives or negatives that you guys take? Uh, I'll start with you, Brenton. First two series, positives and negatives. So I think with the Mets series, um, my positive coming out of it is, you know, the scoreline probably doesn't do us justice. Um, I think we were competitive in all the games. Um, and like Spazzy said, had we brought in the runners that we put in on base and in scoring position, we probably would have split the series. and We should have. Um you know, I think the twin series, the you know, the Monday game with uh Cueto, you you kind of write that off. I mean, that was just 
you know, I feel like that's a negative that Cueto. Yeah, uh, but you're, rough. you know, over the course of the season, you're you're gonna have those games. You're gonna have one or two. Like we saw the Mets get pummeled the day before the Sunday game. They got pummeled by the Brewers, and so you know that's Brewers gonna happen them. every now and then. Yeah, the Brewers <laughs> then, owned them. Yeah, they did, which I we love to see. But you know, I I think you know, Tuesday's win and Wednesday's win really show like what the team can do. And I think that's probably what we see um, game in and game out from the team uh, is just strong pitching performances. And then back that up with, um, with, with solid innings of hitting. I don't know that we can string together whole games of solid hitting, but you know, one or two innings is probably where we make the take advantage of some pitchers in the bullpen. Um. For me, the positives, um, pitching's there, man. Pitching's going to carry us all year, straight up. Our, our rotation's very good, even with Cueto. Uh, our bullpen's very good. I, I would put I would put our pitching up with almost anyone in the league, except maybe like Houston, because um, their rotation and, and bullpen are just stupid. But, um, you know, what, definitely one of the best – pitching staffs in the, in the league, I would, I would say, I mean, Sandy throwing a complete game in, in with a hundred pitches, five strikeouts. That's, that's as efficient as you're going to get in major yep. league baseball um, to negatives um, hitting we're, we're, we're just going to have to live with the fact that the bottom half of the lineup is just not going to produce offensively all that much. Um, I think we're averaging close to like 10 strikeouts a game. If I, I I think the last time I saw we had 65 strikeouts through five and a half games at a point. Um, that's not good for those keeping score at home. That's that's very bad actually. Um, we're a team that's going to strike out a lot, unfortunately, because again we just don't. I think top four or five. If you, I mean, if you're looking in the terms of um, Arise, Segura, Jazz, Solar, very good, reliable guys. Avi, you don't know what you're getting. He's been kind of all over the place. He's had some terrible at bats. He had some, but he's had a couple timely bombs too. Um, and then you know, bottom end guys like you know, Birdie for our catchers. Uh, you know, De La Cruz, Sanchez. They're just guys that aren't. Uh, oh, Coop too is a guy that we need to consider that that's that's gonna swing that's gonna swing it well. He's at least gonna put the ball in contact. He's a guy that hasn't struck out a lot. He's been hitting the ball hard. Uh, gotta love that. Uh, well, and and just to add to your point about the strikeouts, we're leading the league in strikeouts. Yeah, we're number right. one. The Giants are number two, seventy-four. The Giants have seventy-two, but they played one less game, so they're striking out at a higher rate than us. So, so yeah, 74, 74 through seven games, we're averaging over ten strikeouts a game. That's not good. Yep. That's yep. bad. Mm-hmm. Luckily, our pitching staff is doing probably about the same, so that's that, that balances out a little bit. But yeah, um, yeah, that's not good. We can't. We're we're gonna strike out a lot, unfortunately. Maybe it gets better. Um, you know, that's I why think I think I think I think that's why I have some hope that if we're competitive come July, maybe we try and bring in a bat, man. Like, you know, there there are some guys that you can, or maybe there's someone in our system that that turns it on, like you know, Burdick turns it on and starts hitting well. You know, who knows? Who knows? But. Yeah, those are those are my uh, positives and negatives right now. And I will tell you, we we're uh, last in the league in RBIs. Makes sense. We're not scoring, obviously. Um, and on average, we are eleven. Ha- not too bad. We're eleventh in average. That's actually yeah. kind of surprising. Oh yeah, I guess. Oh I oh, mean, oh my fault. I was looking at that upside down. <laughs> I was looking at that upside down. My fault. Not eleventh. We're twentieth. My fault. Okay. Oh, that's it. That makes that makes a little more <laughs> that sense. Makes like, more that's I was thinking because I mean I guess we've had because I was trying to think like I guess we've had a couple like eight and ten hit games maybe that makes sense but like I don't know how you lead the league in strikeouts and also be eleventh in, in average right 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 that right, seems right. a little disproportionate but um, again yeah. we're we're relying on home runs a lot which is really exciting but it's not sustainable unfortunately Solar is right. not going to stay on this hot streak forever he's going to go through slumps yeah. he's gonna he's gonna balance out we'll have other guys go through hot streaks we'll have other guys go through cold streaks but. You can't rely what again what we're gonna see in week one is not what we're gonna see in September and October, you know. So so uh I guess we could talk a little bit about the season expectations. I think we all agreed that we're hoping for a wild card run, right? To be yeah. in the hunt for the wild card. Cy Young, uh batting title. What are we what are our hopes and expectations for certain either players or, t- or the whole team as a as a whole? I mean, obviously for me. Wild card chase. I hope Sandy gets another Cy Young. 
What are you guys hoping for? Yeah, I think wild card run. I think another Cy Young for Sandy is is reasonable and in, in expectations. Um, you know, I, I would love to say that I'd see like a rise going for the batting title, but I think he's got stiffer competition, better pitching in the you know, East than what he had at the with the Twins. So I don't I don't know that I see that happening. Um, but it would I will be nice tell to you, see. I'm sorry to cut you off real no, quick. Go ahead. The, the change of schedule is great, though, because instead of playing the ALE 76 times, we play them 52 times. It's a difference of yeah. 24 games. So that could help also. And it helps when we're in one of the best divisions in baseball, too. A hundred percent. Because yeah. being one of the worst teams in the best division is brutal. So this this is a big positive. All right, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point. So maybe he can do it. Um, but I do, I do expect to see um, – you know, depending on his playing time, I'd, I'd like to see Birdie kind of retain his stolen base title, uh, especially if we can figure out how to how to take advantage of the new pitch clock and stuff. But I, I think that, you know, we'll see. It depends on his playing time. But I really do think it's just competing for the playoffs at this point is the goal. And, you know, I would love for us to, like Callie said, be buyers in July and maybe either commit to um, – Jazz in center field or shortstop and buy maybe one of a bat in one of those two positions. Yeah, I think as as a team, we need to be around five hundred and fighting for a wild card spot. I think as a team, that's that's our expectation, that's our goal, that's what should be our goal, because we're not bad enough to just tank and, and only win forty games this year, but we're good enough to win eighty. I think. I think we. I think we're a team that can win eighty games. Yeah. Um, as far as individual awards, I think as long as Sandy's healthy, I think he has a shot. Plain and simple, he's argue he's you know top five pitcher in baseball right now, probably. Um, you know, a, a couple of things that I think we we can keep an eye on. I think Luis Arise, Silver Slugger for second base in the National League would be would be huge. He won Silver Slugger last year in the American League, won the batting title in the American League last year. I don't know if batting title is going to be a thing he wins this year, just given the lineup around him, uh, but. He's uh, but he he's a guy that puts the ball in play. He's not going to strike out a lot. I think that's Silver Slugger is definitely attainable. Um, I think probably most of our infield can be at least Gold Glove candidates. Um, I think Fortes can be a guy that that can behind the dish defensively. He's that can good man. He's very good defensively. He's one of the better defensive catches we've had in 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 a while down here, mm-hmm. which is really encouraging. Um. And then um, Solar maybe maybe makes a run at the at a home you know home run chase title chase you know maybe you know he's smoking baseballs. Well, one thing I'll give Solar, man, when he he connects, that dude connects, bro. Like he yeah. hits baseballs very hard. He's seeing beach balls right now, and of course that's not going to be sustainable. It's gonna it's it's, it's going to flatten out. But if he can maintain like a good enough o, you know OPS or OBPS or any, or something like that, like I think this is a guy that can compete for compete for like leading the league in, in at least the national league maybe in and speaking runs. of speaking of homers uh in the league top six teams that have given up home runs are inside the top six three of them are our next three opponents we got the d-backs the mets and the phillies the, the mets have given up 13 already uh the d-backs have given up 13 and the phillies have given up 10 so solar might get one somewhere at some point there yeah, I mean, and we're going to some hitter-friendly parks in City Field, and then uh, uh, Citizens Bank. I mean, I feel like a lot of balls fly out of there. Uh, but Citizens Bank Park is very, very hitter-friendly. Oh yeah. And then we come back home, and of course, we're we're in a bit of a, you know, well, I think down the cor- I think the corners are, are as you know good as you can ask for, but. You know the gaps in dead center is, is is a bit of a poke at Marlins Park, but we've seen we've seen Solar do it already, man. Um, you know, and then we go, and then what is it? We go to, and then we go to Cleveland. That's very heat hitter friendly, and then uh, the new Turner Field, Truist Field is whatever, and then you know the the Cubs come here. So a couple hitter friendly parks that we're going to that I think you know we we can hit home runs. And what's great is that our staff isn't giving up a lot of home runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, from you know, from from what I remember, Tommy Pham hit one, Pete Alonso hit one. We've given up. We've actually given up seven. I wish I, I don't remember seven, but we've given up seven home runs. I I remember two in the Mets series. We gave up five. We we gave up. Well, five Cueto points. gave up two. Oh right, Cueto. So there's two of them, and then 
Yeah, we've given up seven total. Ling- Lingren didn't Rogers, give up any. Rodgers, Puck gave up one. Oh, Puck. Yeah, no, Marley. Puck gave that one up. That's Puck right. Ga- Puck gave he one did up. that on purpose. He just wanted to save. <laughs> I'm convinced. No. Well, Puck. Well, <laughs> he got he, it. He, he was already in the he, – he, it was a 2-0 game. Puck already had the save there. But Pete Alonzo was his teammate at University of Florida. So, so he just, so he, he, he just he, he served it. it. For, it was, it was okay. first pitch too, man. Maybe he told him like, "Hey, man, if I face you, you're getting one," and that's it. And Pete Alonso did what Pete Alonso does because that guy's hey, absolutely he said, Puck amazing. You. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're talking about stadiums. We've all been to the stadium, right? I had hadn't been there in a couple of years. What are you feeling about the stadium when you went out there? Obviously, for the Mets series, Mets heavy. Yeah, I mean, how it, you it feeling? Was how how are you feeling though about the overall experience? I was loving that three hundred five menu. The 305 menu is – they've had it for a couple years now. Um, I'm a huge fan of it. So for those of you that don't know, um, if you haven't been to the stadium, they have the 305 menu. So they have I- items on the menu that are for $3 and items for 5 So the $3 items are like a pretzel, a hot dog, a bottle of water, I think a soda also, like yeah. not in a souvenir mm-hmm. cup or anything. And then the $5 is like – The draft uh, beer. The draft beer. So you can get – And you can get you, nachos for 3 bucks too. Yeah, you can, yep. but you can get imagine like uh, you can get a hot dog and a beer for eight bucks in a stadium. Yeah, like come on, man, like that's awesome. I will say, and drive pink. You're you're paying thirty bucks for that. You're you're like giving your social security number or something like that. But mm-hmm. um, I will say something that I had for the first time at uh, at Marlins Park. I still call it Marlins Park. It's going to be Lawrence Park for me. I'm not calling it Lone Depot. Um, and I sat in left field when I went to the Friday game for the Mets, and they had an like an, uh, an arepa stand that I hadn't seen before. And I've been to that stadium a hundred times, a little arepa stadium, and it's like you you always know when you see it. It's like a couple of the abuelitas working there and stuff like that. I'm like, hmm, let me see. I tried it, and quite frankly, it was a very good arepa, and not just like stadium quality, just like in general quality, it was very good. Like I saw them like get the the, the arepa and fill it with meat and put the cheese and the sauce i'm like hey girl all right pop off queen and i had it and it was <laughs> it was it was really good man i mean it was it was it was like eight bucks too it wasn't like super super expensive or Not anything bad. like that but um as far as food goes like a lot some of the like miami's best pizza is still there i think pincho factory is still there pincho um, factory is still there yeah and then there's a there's a there's a couple of new ones and stuff like that but as far as like all the as far as all these things are doing, it's like crazy. The Taco Tuesdays, the four for forty four. The four for forty four deals awesome. That's and they've got game. on Saturday select Saturdays. They're doing like a beer, uh, I, beer sampling or something before the games. They've got like brunches before some of the Sunday afternoon games, which are, like I looked. He's like Canarias out bad. there also. Yeah. yeah. The OGs. I saw that they're doing like burger and beer Fridays too. Oh, there you go. There you oh go. Oh my god, I need yeah, to I need to find you like Canaria. I want to. When I'm out there, <laughs> that's it. It was it was right by your by your section actually, right before I, I went. I was gonna to say the that looks like the picture I you sent us, Kelly. Yeah, right. I'm, oh man, it was right above his section. And those croquetas were fire, and it was a great because I just I ate there while watching the game from sent from dead center field. And next time I go there, awesome I'm No matter idea. where you go in the stadium, it's a beautiful view. You can eat and walk around all over the place. You get dipping dots. You get the helmet. The cup, Everybody the loves glass. these little helmets, man. Yeah, yeah I, I love these little things. So it's it's a great experience, man. I hope more people start making it out there. One thing, yeah. One thing I'll give I'll I'll give it I'll give them the stadium experience for Marlins games are, is fantastic. Like, and especially like when it gets to the summer, the roof is closed. It's seventy two degrees in there, so it's very comfortable. Uh, there's not a bad seat in the house. Oh. Um, tickets are dirt cheap if you go through certain apps and they're not, they're not paying us. So I'm not going to say their name. Um, but there's mm-hmm. certain apps that you can go on that tickets are dirt cheap. You can sit anywhere mm-hmm. because quite frankly, they're not checking tickets. They just want people at the baseball game. Um, the concessions are great. The team store is like not expensive. Like it's not like I've seen it like other franchises, any like, other, any other stadium. Yeah. Like I got a fitted hat for 35 bucks, man. Like I'm not getting that anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm barely getting that right. on the internet. Like, you well, know, because uh, the, they, they're selling it at retail price. When you go to other stadiums, you're paying retail price, and then you're basically paying a hey, you bought it at the, the stadium, stadium tax. Yeah. yeah, so it's ridiculous. Yeah, the parking garage, yeah. the parking garage for me, the the game I went to was a bit of a nightmare. But I, it's my fault because of where I parked. Okay. Um, I got so it I'm pretty ass- easy. I'm I'm assuming responsibility for that one, but um, 
Yeah, man. As far as stadium goes, I, I think like it, it's tough to beat. Like, there's a, you know, you can sit anywhere. You have a great view. Food's great. I'm so mad I didn't see Ila Canarias because those are those are arguably the best croquetas in Miami Dade County. Um, oh, man, they're huge, and they're massive too. You know, and I can't yeah. eat that much because yeah. of my surgery. But if you know, I go with my so wife. Even better, you know, so you, you'll be satisfied quickly. Yeah. Share. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so. Coming to an end now, but I know that my man Cali here had a little trivia lined up for us. Oh boy! Yeah, so, so let, let, I, uh, let's get a little Marlins trivia going before we uh, head out of here. All right, so it's not just Marlins trivia; it's also I have three Marlins trivia questions and three Major League Baseball just history trivia questions. What so I'm if, planning if you're watching on if you're watching on YouTube, pause the video. If you're on audio, pause the audio. Try to answer the question. Before Ali Cali delivers the answer, go ahead. All right. So my goal is I'm not going to participate because I'm obviously like the one reading the, the trivia questions. But Makes I want to keep score throughout the entire season and see who does the best by by the end of it. So um, I'm so horrible yeah. at trivia, so I'm just putting that out. Oh so my! Okay. So at least we'll both be ahead of Spazzy. <laughs> well, we'll 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 come we'll, we'll go as we go. And so for the uh, Marlins trivia. It being the 30-year anniversary of, of the club's inception, all three questions have to do with the first year of the club, 1990. Okay. All, all right. right. So, first question. First ever battered Marlins fans trivia question. Marlins played their first game on April 5th, 1993 against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Who was the pitcher they faced? Hint, Ooh. there's arguments that he should be a Hall of Famer. And he has kind of a cool name. Los Angeles. His oh, first name would make some some young some young men giggle. I'll say that. Nineteen ninety three. Oh, I don't think I'm gonna get this. Nineteen ninety three. Dodger. LA oh. Dodgers. He was very good. He was a very good pitcher. No man, I don't. I'm not gonna Nothing? get this one. I don't know. I, oh. I was hoping that you were gonna ask who their opponent was. Oh no, that's too oh, easy. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the answer is Oral Hershiser. Oh, Oral. That's why I'm okay. a young man. Yeah, here. I got you. I got <laughs> you. Yeah. All okay. right. So, next question. This one should be a little easier. Who hit the first home run for the Marlins ever? And bonus point if you can if you can correctly guess what team it was against. Oh shit. <laughs> This was uh, guys. Uh, should I just go with a wild guess here and just say Jeff Conine? It was not Conine. It was not Conine. It's a good guess. Uh, I'm going to go Charles team. Johnson. I know it's not right. No, Charles, Charles Johnson, Johnson wasn't on the team. Wasn't even on the team yet. Uh, yeah. He's a draft pick. He, he was the first year, draft pick. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't in the big league club though. Uh, the answer is another catcher. Does that help if I say catcher? Mm-hmm. Benito Santiago. Jeez. I would never. Wow, I haven't heard that name in forever. That's, it's been 30 years, man. <laughs> so fun fact, I actually coached against his son. We beat them to go to a state championship. Benito Santiago Jr. was a catcher. The pitcher was Tuki Toussaint, who's currently in the Guardians organization. Man, 93. I, I was seven years old when, when all these things were going on. I'm going to have a hard time I with was, this one. What, what's number three? It was four. Hold on. So <laughs> it was Benito Santiago. He hit it against the Giants off of Trevor Wilson. It was a two-run bomb to left center. Uh, to tie the game three to three, the Giants ended up walking it off in the eleventh inning with a Darren Lewis base knock to center off of Joe Klink, which scored Willie McGee from second. It was also the first time the Marlins got walked off against ever. Um, and then finally, this one's actually kind of monumental in terms of how the Marlins franchise played out. Uh-oh. So, oh boy, we acquired twenty-four year. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! I almost read the answer. First trade in Marlins history. And I'll give you a hint. It was with the Padres. If that helps with who we sent. Oh. If you would have said the who first draft. Or who we picked or who we got back. I'm sorry? Is this a question who we traded away or who we who? got back? I th- you get a point for both. I'm it was with gonna, the Padres. If you would have said first draft pick, you I would have gotten that to, one. You need to think like a legendary Padres player. Oh, who we, um, who we gave up? It's not. It's not Tony Gwynn. No. Tony no. Padres lifer. Shoot, I I see his face. Well, you got me. I'm I'm never gonna get this one. I'll tell you this: we gave up a pitcher. 
legendary Padre, record setter. Oh right. man, good luck, Brenton, because I I I don't got it. We I can traded, see his face, but I, I just I am so bad with names. We traded Trevor Hoffman to the Padres for <sighs> wait wait Trevor Hoffman was a Marlin. Yes, yes. I knew that one too. In I June, know that. In June tw- on June twenty fourth, nineteen ninety three, we acquired twenty four year old All Star Gary Sheffield. Oh, I was gonna say Gary Sheffield, but I was like, no, ninety three is way too early. Yeah, I we thought it was going to be him too, and then I was like, "We acquired like, no. Gary Sheffield and left-handed pitcher Rich Rodriguez from the Padres for Trevor Hoffman and some minor leaguers that never amounted to anything." Oh man, you know I was like Gary Sheffield. Like, now ninety-two is way too early for Gary Sheffield. Yeah, yeah. First, that was our first in-season trade, I should say. Before the season, we traded one of our best young prospects ever, Adrian Gonzalez, who might be a mm. Hall of Fame first baseman. We traded him away to the Padres. Um, so this is now we're transitioning to baseball history trivia. This one's actually right up your your alley here, Danny. Oh, who was the first player to have his number retired? Ever, ever. Jackie Robinson, player. right? Nope. No, what it was it? Ted Williams? No, pinstripes, baby. Think pinstripes. Babe Ruth it wasn't Babe Ruth. No, Babe Ruth. It wasn't Babe Ruth. <laughs> First player to ever have his uh, number retired. Think, think Babe Ruth era. Lou Gehrig. It was Lou Gehrig. Yeah. Lou Gehrig had I number remember. four retired on July 4th, right. 1939. Yeah, yeah that, that's when he gave the speech. Yep. Today I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of this earth. Yep. 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 I should have I should have had that one. Yep. All right. Uh Next baseball trivia question. Who was the only pitcher to record both 200 wins and 150 saves in their career? Hint, division opponent. John Smoltz. Yes, it was John Smoltz. Smoltzy. Smoltz. I love John Smoltz. <laughs> 2001, he had Tommy John. And, you know, it's not like today that you come back better with Tommy John. He converted to a reliever. And went on to save 150 in his career. An absolute Marlins killer. Hey, there you go, yeah, Brent. I was so glad to see him go to the Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So tied one to one right now, because Danny, I gave you the Lou Gehrig one. Um, all right, fa- the last one. This one's a fun one. At least, I, at least for me, it was a baseball nerd. Doc Ellis threw a no hitter on June 12, 1970. Why is that significant? Why is that significant? Doc Ellis. Fun fact. I don't even know who Doc Ellis is. He was a pitcher for the Pirates. Doc Ellis get, doesn't ring what a bell. What date was me. it on? It was June 12, 1970. The date has nothing to do with it. I'm just oh. giving you a giving you a time frame. But it's, it's significant. Ellis. There's so there's a very specific reason why it's a, it was a significant achievement for, for him to throw a no hitter on that day. But the day has nothing to do with it. But the date itself has nothing to do with it. The answer is he was high as a kite on LSD. Oh. <laughs> There's well, actually who's gonna get that? So he was snow globing it. <laughs> he was snow globe. I, I do not do LSD for what it's worth, listeners, but that's an inside <laughs> joke for those who know. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. he was he was high on LSD. There's actually a documentary on. I want to say it's on Netflix, but it's a it's a very famous story of you know he threw a no hitter high on LSD. So Oof. no, I, 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 I one that's once wild. One one split for our first trivia, not bad, not bad. I'm, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make adjustments as we go because I uh, I'm, I'm a little too much baseball nerd for you guys. I, I think, think I think if we, if we go this trivia route, you might have to be on the other end of these questions to test out your knowledge. We should rotate. We should we every rotate. episode. Let's do it. We could rotate. And I'll, I'll keep a different person take phone. the trivia and then yeah. Uh, that's fair. I like that. Go from there. Because I think I think I think Cali will kill us if if he, if he keeps. I'm asking us these Doc Ellis questions. That's fair. Coming to an end. uh, For those of you listening, if you're still listening an hour in, we appreciate you giving us the time. This was episode one. Callie, Brenton, anything else that you would like to tell the people before we head out? Uh, It's usually the hope that kills you, but have a little faith. I think this year won't be as bad as you think. I agree. Yeah, There's a lot lot of good to hope for from this team. And, you know, if you can make it out to the ballpark, 
especially when Sandy's on the mound, because you sure. never know how often you're going to get to see a pitcher of that caliber day in and day out. So let's appreciate who we have on the field and let's just cheer on the fish. And and, and I hate to be that guy, man. Don't Sandy. say it. Don't say it. I'm just saying, bro. I've been a Marlins <laughs> fan for 30 fucking years. I've seen this movie before, bro. Okay. I, I know I know how this ends, unfortunately. I just hope he really, really likes Miami. That's all I'm saying. I hope he really enjoys living here. Listen, you almost jinxed us yesterday when you said, if I have to see another 1-0 game. I, I know. And then I almost, almost as, blew it. As soon as I tweeted that, fuck me, bro. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I would have like, taken the 1-0. Right after you hit it, like, you see, I would have taken the 1-0. Yep. But it worked actually, out anyway. I, Actually, Sorry, I had a couple people from Marlins, I had a couple people from Marlins Twitter come at me for that one, so I guess it was <laughs> it was well earned. I um as as always, we appreciate you, and we're ready to get hurt again. Yeah, always, baby.